Hi, this is Pastor Matt Nussbaum with Pastor Mike Richardson, and the podcast is Upstream, Following Jesus. The word for the day, the phrase for the day is moral outrage. in front of me an emoji of a big circular yellow face not smiling but with anger in its eyes and the reason I'm I, I, the, that's the phrase for the day is it's really the end thing now for Christians to express moral outrage at things happen in the world and in some ways it's appropriate but at the same time we're expressing moral outrage about things that the culture agrees with and the, here's the statement I'll make if the moral outrage that we express of the church is the exact mirror of what the culture is being outraged by, then we're not really, really following Jesus. I'm going to say that again. I was going to say, Matt, say that again, if Matt. The moral because, outrage yeah. of the church only mirrors the moral outrage of the culture, then we are not fully following Jesus. Example, you know, with the whole race riots, yes, we need to have outrage about racism. People post about that. Christians speak about it with with uh, the arrogance of those in political leadership, namely some would say the past president. <laughs> yes, we need to call out pride and arrogance. But yet, if we're only calling out those things and not the full body of, of holiness that God talks about in scripture, then we are really not following Jesus. We're simply mimicking the culture. Wow. Now, when you started, when you started off with that, I'm thinking, where is he gonna go with this selective moral outrage you're not saying that we shouldn't be outraged about things that are immoral but you're the the selective yeah it's a selective thing because we we're choosing the things that we know to some degree the culture will not be ruffled by because the culture is already on that band okay so for the like you say the race riots the black Lives matters or pick pick whatever topic happens to be popular in vogue at this time and you put something that agrees with that me too i am also outraged yes because the culture has said so then fair enough we're good to go but if something that maybe jesus would be outraged about yes but, but the culture itself is not then we tend to back off and we're not so outraged is that what you're trying to say it's a lot yes, because we're we're afraid of how that's going to look to the rest of the culture and jesus was never afraid to say what needed to be said and i'm not saying we just scream at the culture but for example here's what i did you look in the bible there's a word people don't like in the King James, it's the abomination word. <laughs> uh, another way, another way, it's been translated is detestable. Well, when you do it's just a search of that through, through Scripture, there are clearly some things that the Bible says God detests. Yes, He detests injustice and exploitation. He de- He detests racism. Yes. He detests the mistreatment of foreigners and strangers. Yes, He detests that. Yes, He detests pride. Scripture says it over and again in the Proverbs: God detests pride. But if you do the careful search of that word, he also detests abortion. It's clear in the Old Testament, talks about Mm. times where child sacrificed idols and that was detestable to God. Talks about how God detests spiritual immorality. He doesn't hate the people, but he detests the practice of anything sexual that's outside of God's design. And it's primarily, God detests it because he knows on, on what fuel the human being can thrive and those things aren't it. God detests idolatry, financial idolatry, materialism, whatever. God detests all those things, but yet we seem to be more comfortable, understandably so, 
posting or saying or preaching about those things, the culture is already a few steps ahead of us in protesting about. We are all, myself included, we are addicted to being liked by other people. We are addicted to the like button on our social media. We're addicted to people liking us. So, and, and the church needs to break that addiction. Yeah, buddy. Because Jesus never told us the world's going to like us. As a matter of fact, he said, they're going to hate you. Now, I'm not saying we, we act like jerks so we'll be hated, but Jesus said it hated me. It's going to hate you too. So there are times we need to speak out, whether it's abortion, idolatry, exploitation, mistreatment of racial people, racial issues, immigration, whatever. Speak out against the arrogance and pride of some of our political leaders speak out against some of the immorality that's being uh that's being like cheered as a really good thing when it comes to sexual morality sexual practices sexual identities this the church should be speaking on that and our audience primarily is not the culture the audience is the people of christ now do you think that the silence from the church is just as bad I mean, because if the church doesn't want to stand up and say, no, we're not going to tackle fornication. We're not going to tackle abortion. We're not going to tackle the divorce rate. We're not going to be vocal about that. But we will this other stuff because we just we're trying we're trying to, to befriend the world. So they'll come in and see how loving we are. Do you think that's bad? You think this is where that selective? I, I think the selectiveness and I'm guilty of this, too. I'll give you just an illustration. It's easy for me to kind of point out everybody else what they're going wrong or things like that. And the culture It's easier for all of us to express outrage toward the culture. But there was a situation in our church where I had suspicions that someone in our church, somebody who claimed to be a follower of Jesus, was involved in some sexual morality. But I didn't want to talk to this person because I didn't want to know. I didn't want them to be mad at me. Mm-hmm. But I finally got the courage or God gave me the courage. I talked to him. I misunderstood the situation. But at the same time, I finally talked to him. But what I'm saying is we are so addicted to being liked by people. I am addicted to being liked by people. We don't always have those conversations. And again, the conversations are immensely more important in the church. I don't think I don't think God's calling for us is to to billboard the culture and to Facebook post the culture and tell them what's going wrong. The New Testament Jesus was especially, uh, he addressed those who already thought they were religious. Paul addressed the church and the purity of the church. He even says in 1 Corinthians 5, I'm not telling those outside the church to act this way. I'm telling those inside the church. Right. So it's inside the church and this moral outrage posture, we really have to take that uh, moral outrage emoji off of our faces. Yeah, (laughs) because I think it's really sad when the church will stand up and just berate publicly the LBGQ, yeah. whatever, I don't even yeah, know, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, you know what I'm saying, the, the yes. lesbians, homosexuals, but ignore the 50% divorce rate in our own church. Matt, this is selective moral outrage. Yes. I, and and if ignore, you're talking about that, I'm in 100% agreement. And we you. ignore the potential uh, sexual morality that we think we see in the church, but nobody wants to challenge it. Um, I'm always amazed that the the seven churches of Revelation, when Jesus was saying whether they were strong or he approved or not, I think three out of the seven, he said, you're tolerating sexual morality. Two, three, and four of the churches he talked about. And that was the church. Jesus didn't make any statements toward the culture. 
he, he was in the church. The church, and so this this whole moral outrage, and I think it's more because we, as a church, want to manage our image to the culture, and we want them to know that we're in sync with the culture. And I just don't think Jesus cares whether we're in sync with the culture or not on those things. Uh, he definitely doesn't want us to be conformed to the culture, but we're supposed to be transformed, right? Totally, totally. And we, and again, I, with all of this, whether it's uh, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, Capitol protest, arrogant president, whatever policies of whatever party you don't like, the calling of the church is the purity of the church. Right. The calling of the church is not... Uh, the purity of the country. It's the church. If the church, if the church would simply follow Jesus and obey what he's telling us to do in these areas, the church would then become the salt that seasons the culture. But our salt is not political posturing, although I vote and I'm in, I, I think about those things. It's more about the purity of the church that, that Jesus is way more concerned about. We ought to be more concerned about what's detestable to God than what's detestable to the culture. Because that passage you picked out that in Luke 16, yeah. 15, it says, I love that where it says, but God knows your hearts for that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So what the culture says is uh, okay, good thing. God's saying it's it's an abomination, it's detestable. And if we don't say it's detestable too, Matt, then we, we're guilty, right? We're guilty yes. of, of giving credence to that. But, but I don't know, I think we're guilty of that. But again, it goes back to our addiction to being liked by the culture. And we want the culture to think we're reasonable, intelligent people. And so we don't always speak on those things. But again, I don't think our job is to pronounce it to the culture. If the church simply would kind of would, would take on the understanding of this life-giving, full of joy, full of peace kind of holiness that Jesus talks about, then we would we would then embody what we're saying God wants us to be like. And so and I like to remind people the moral outrage. Uh, club in the New Testament was mostly full of Pharisees. That was the moral <laughs> outrage club. So right. I don't know that. And Jesus, if anything, was c cr criticizing them because they were they were outraged at tax collectors. They were outraged at the scum that Jesus ate which, with. They were outraged at the prostitutes that washed his feet. You don't see Jesus expressing moral outrage except toward those who already thought they were in the church, the mm. Jewish leaders. He expressed outrage toward them. So it seems like if we're going to be like Jesus, we want to follow Jesus upstream. We need to be more concerned about the purity of the church than the than the than the acceptance of our culture. If we if we simply were, were concerned about these kind of issues in the church, that that our people in our congregations were sexually pure, and people in our congregations were were challenged when they had arrogant, prideful attitudes, or people in our congregations were were challenged about giving and generosity and being generous to the poor. I think if we take care of the people in the church, the body of Jesus Christ, I think the culture would be would probably stand back and look at us in a little bit more awe, and they wouldn't care what we post because they would see what we live. What we live is what we post. Now, that, that will preach all what day. What we live is what we post. Yes, yes. And so if we're arrogant people, if we're idolatrous people, if we're uh, sexually tolerant people, then of course we're not, we're, our lives are posting things. Kind of like what Paul said, your lives are letters read by all. Right. So if our, if our lives live that way and people see that in our lives and they see this distinct holiness, and I define holiness as being, you know, 
distinct, pure, and powerful. That's what holiness means. If, if the world sees that in us, distinct, pure, powerful, and how we live our lives, they're attracted to that because that's what Jesus was like. Would you recommend that Christians just stay off of the social media and those? Because again, if we're so afraid to take a stand on certain things, we won't because we don't like, we want, we're addicted to the like button. Yeah. Are, are we given an appearance of inclusion and tolerance and not given the inclusion uh, or the thing of that we're against certain sins? Am I making sense on that? Yes, I, I, I think, you know, like, for example, there was a Black Lives Matter protest in my hometown and I went to it. I went sure. to a pastor friend of mine and I, I don't I, I'm, I'm glad that I went, but I didn't I don't feel the need to then bring an abortion poster to that event. You know what I mean? I, I got gotcha. I can support that event because that is what matters at that time, and I can uh, I can speak and say I, I do think some of our politicians and our former president had some significant pride issues and arrogance issues, but that's not unique to politicians. Yeah, <laughs> but I can say those things. But I but when the time comes to talk about sexual morality or sexual identity or or you know the the the, the heavy sounding word fornication. Or when the time comes to talk about God's view of the unborn, Psalm 139, he knows us in our mother's womb, then then we do need to speak up at those times. I don't think we need to force the moment, just speak up when those times come. But I can see someone saying, Matt, that's really interesting that I saw you at the Black Lives Matter protest, but we've had 12 abortion marches and I hadn't seen you there once, partner. So our silence does speak volumes. Well, and that's where I would... I guess I would just say I'm not sure if I'm glad I went to that march. I'm not sure that I felt like it was uh, internally important for me to do that as a posting kind of way. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't think the protest, I mean, the protests, whether it's uh, right to life marches, Black Lives Matter marches, I think those are all good things because it brings awareness. But again, if the church simply would live these things out within our own family, the church family, the family yes. of followers of Jesus, I think the the protests to the culture would not be necessary because they would see us living in a way that is so unique and so attractive because Jesus was unique and attractive in those ways. I really, and we talked about this earlier, I really believe that the hypocrisy in the church is what drives the world away from the church. And because when they see us, again, making such a fuss over one particular item and we ignored the sin in our own backyard. Yes. That, and they're, they're saying that's selective moral outrage. We're so quick to judge the other side of like, it's like you, you weren't outraged about this six months ago, but now that your man is in charge, oh, yes. now it's awful, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so both sides do it. Left yeah. and right, Christian and non-Christian, we all do that. But yeah. the point of it is, if we would just live it and not say it. Well, there's, there's a, a, a G.K. Chesterton was a famous English Christian theologian writer in the early 1900s, and uh, one time I think it was the London newspaper, the editor asked the question, "What's wrong with the world?" And he wanted people to write into the letters. The editor, of course, there was no Facebook or email. What's wrong with the world? Chesterton wrote in this, what's wrong with the world, you ask? The answer, I am. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought that is a powerful, truthful, humble, intelligent answer. 
And I do think the more we're willing to look at our own, search me, oh God, know my heart, try me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me, lead to the lead me into the life of everlasting, not everlasting life, but full of joy and peace and contempt. If we live those kind of lives, for one, it tones down our moral outrage mm-hmm. because we, we then start getting a more of a grip on mercy. Because mm-hmm. so many times people say, we need to take a stand for the truth. I can't remember if I've ever heard anybody say, we need to take a stand for mercy toward these people, toward wow. that people, toward that group or whatever. Jesus took a stance for truth, but he also took a stance for mercy because the Bible says he was full of truth and mercy. But we never in the church talk about taking a stance for mercy. So I would say toward the culture in the church, yes, let's let's be holy, let's be distinct and pure and powerful and understand what God thinks is detestable behavior simply because he knows it kills our souls. But outside the church, let's maybe do more of taking a stand for mercy toward people. We're not denying the truth. Jesus took a stand for truth. We're not denying that. You can do both at the same time because Jesus did. And if we're following Jesus, the original upstreamer, then if he can do that, we need to understand and ask God to help us give us the Holy Spirit's ability inside of us to be people of truth and mercy. And that, that will totally diminish any moral outrage that we feel like we need to do to kind of verify our spirituality before God or something like that. Matt, that was great. Good job, buddy. Well, like I said, what's wrong with the world? I am. It does start with me. And I, if I can, if I start there, it's like the, you know, log in your own eye. Um, yes, God has standards. Yes, God's holy. But Jesus showed us a way of truth and mercy that is unlike any other world leader religious leader ever that's why he's so unique that's why who else would anybody want to follow who else should we follow but this man who embodied that in a way that changed the world outstanding well thank you for again taking the time to tune in to upstream podcast brought by exodus church in bloomington we'll see you next time